How y'all doing? I'm Paul Ryan, your host of the Across the Cowboys podcast. We are part of the Across the Board Sports Podcast family. I'd like to give a big shout out, shout out to our listeners. If you're new to the show, thank you for joining us. <laughs> what happened? What happened, oh, sir? It's been a long, it's been a long weekend, Mike. It's been a long day, sir. But thank you to our <laughs> listeners and welcome back, guys. I'm gonna keep rolling with it, man. It's been a long day, Mike, and I know you got some things to do, so we'll just stay with the flow. You know, I'm mentioning Mike here, guys. With me, as always, is the greatest co-host in the world, Mike the Pig Crumb. Mike, how are you? I'm doing good, man. I mean, I'm I'm not in the happy mood you are, but. This is so random because normally we're we're laughing before if something like this happens, but we're just kind of chilling and then all of a sudden you start it up and boom. I like it. I don't know. There's a bit of a mispronunciation there at the beginning, Mike. So I'm wondering if our if our listeners are gonna catch it or not, but we'll we'll see what happens there on Twitter with any feedback. <laughs> They're definitely gonna catch it. <laughs> Anthony will be the first one. Anthony's first tweet is gonna be that that mess up anthony loves to to at me when i've made a mistake or when i say something bad or stupid but every anything and everything good it's always cd piglet love this cd piglet love that hey paul ryan please go away (laughs) (laughs) that's a that's the kind of uh twitter interaction i love Well, you know, hopefully I'll be on your side one day there, Mike. But while we're talking about Twitter, remind the people where we can find you. At CD Piglet, guys. Nice and easy. And guys, I am Paul Ryan, and you can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan 15. Well, you know, Mike, we were, uh, it is Monday. And before we get into the conversation, it is Meatless Monday. So I want to know what was on the menu today. I actually went to a, there's a place called Benediction. I don't know how big it is everywhere. I know it's a, it was a food truck place that has a little uh, brick and mortar here. Mm-hmm. And um, I got a uh, blaze of glory, which is uh, it's a, it's eggs Benedict, but it has tomato mozzarella, uh, a like uh, Cajun style pesto or a, a hollandaise and a pesto sauce. Mm. So it's meatless. They don't have the ham or the bacon or anything, Yeah. but I had that and I got their little French toast sticks that they roll in like graham cracker crust. So not the healthiest, but I don't care. I was hungry. Man, that sounds good. So this is the food truck? Yeah, it's, they, they're more known for their food truck, but I go to their brick and mortar because it's right by my bank. Okay. And I was at the bank, you know, paying the bills and everything. And I was like, well, I'm just going to go over there and get some food and bring it home. And so, yeah, did that. And then I'll have, um, I have some like cheese breadsticks I'm going to heat up later. Like, that's it. Yeah, nothing, nothing special. Benediction special, though. That place is really good if you're fresno or they might be in san francisco too i know dusty buns is they might be in san francisco but if you're if you know fresno you know benediction breakfast wise they are one of the top man i know eggs benedict is probably my all-time favorite uh brunch item and i love a good crab's eggs benedict for sure i um i was gonna ask you something and i uh the, over the weekend, you know, for the draft, did you did you fire up anything, do anything grilling, or you know, do you kind of like like to have any sort of like snacks or anything, kind of like with Super Bowl or Week One or anything? I was on like work mode the whole time. KD right. had me, KD and Cowboys Wire had me uh, working my butt off. So 
I don't even remember what I ate. I'm not even lying. I, I didn't sleep a lot. I got mm -hmm. a lot of stuff done. Um, uh, I made it into a pretty high tier of pages read. So I was proud of that, but I, I don't, I don't remember much food wise what I had just being honest with you. It's kind of mm -hmm. all a blur. No, it's all good. I, you know, I know some people, uh, you know, they make the joke that they take the day off, like draft day off and then the following day. And, you know, it's kind of like a, a holiday almost. I know, um, Rich, you know, you guys did the fantasy show and it was fantasy Christmas. And that's how I kind of think of draft day as well. It's, it's fantasy football Christmas for all, all us fantasy players. Yeah, I know. We got now it's up to the drafts, the MLF drafts coming up here uh, at some point. So that's yeah. the next task. Well, you know, Michael, we're talking about the draft. You know, we, we saw a bit of an interesting trade, at least, you know, to, to me it was interesting. And But what was your reaction after Dallas made the trade with Philly while Justin Fields was still available? Uh, terrified. Yeah. I was, I was like, why are you letting them come up and get a friggin' quarterback? Like, my whole thing on a trade back was to dictate who got Justin Fields. Because mm -hmm. your quarterbacks were washed at that point. Both quarterbacks are gone. So now make sure the team that you want comes up and gets Justin Fields. Don't let them fall to the Eagles or the Giants. When the Eagles moved up, I was like, man, I, I hope they know, you know, like that they're not going quarterback or, or something because uh, I, it just blew my mind that you wouldn't dictate who got that quarterback. You know, right. it's, it's a really valuable piece. It's mm -hmm. like a, it, it's, it's like winning the draft lottery, having a quarterback drop to you like that. And you could go and, 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 you know, make some money off of it, some draft mm -hmm. capital off of it. And to just go back a couple spots with the Eagles, with the Eagle, and then the giants are the next team. Exactly. And neither of them really have a quarterback. They can pretend like they do because of where they picked them or whatever, but neither of them really have a quarterback and Justin Fields, I would have took, a hundred times out of a hundred over Jones or Hertz. So just, they should feel lucky that they didn't give their division a great quarterback. Yeah. You know, I was surprised too. And I'm a big fan of, of Jalen Hurts. I mean, for being a Cowboys fan, I think most people would be surprised at how, how much of a believer I am in Jalen Hurts, probably more so than a lot of people. Uh, you know, when you just hear about his work ethic and everything, it just kind of reminds me a lot about Dak, maybe not so much on the field, but again, you talk about leadership and, teammate and work ethic and uh, you know I also do like Daniel Jones but just the thought of them getting Justin Fields I mean I, I, it's safe to say that Justin Fields is a tier above where they're both that even currently after being in the NFL for a couple of years and Daniel Jones and just his rookie year with, with uh, Jalen Hurts but you know I can't help but feel like Dallas doesn't make that trade without knowing who Philly is going to pick though would you agree? Yeah, I would. I think they had the idea because Stephen Jones talked about it afterwards that Devontae Smith was going to either go to Eagles or Giants. Mm -hmm. So they made the trade back because they're like, we're going to have to face them in the division anyway. We might as well, you know, make some capital off of it. And they grabbed a third round pick uh, as compensation and still got the guy they, they wanted now right. that the two cornerbacks were gone. So. Um, yeah, the, the, they, they knew they had, there's no way if they thought they were going to get a quarterback that they would have made that trade. No, I would agree. And, you know, what's kind of strange to me is that for them knowing that I can't help, but feel like 
the front office in Dallas and the, the front office of Philadelphia, that they have a pretty good relationship, a trusting relationship for being rival teams. Would you agree? Yeah, you have to, you, you want to be trusted by all the teams. You don't want to, you don't ever want to feel like you screwed somebody over or anything because it just makes it harder to deal with other teams. And look at Alden Smith, you know, Seahawks tried to be jerks with us on trades before. Mm-hmm. So then uh, they wanted Alden Smith last year and we could have easily got, and we were just like, nah, we're not going to do it for you guys yeah. because they did it to us. So, you know, once you build that, then it make then it's hard to make moves and, and you don't want that. You want to have trust with everybody, even your rivals. Yeah, I just, you know, you you make a good point there. But for me, I guess I would just think, like, if you have a good trusting relationship with your rivals and, you know, you don't ever want to do anything to hinder that or possibly jeopardize it, it almost, you, you know, you kind of start to feel like, well, you know, hey, we're in a big playoff game and maybe Philly has a better chance to to go further in a, in a playoff run and, like, what if we do them a favor, you know, by by kind of like laying down a bit, letting them win this game, just to maintain that trusting and strong relationship? You kind of take away that killer instinct. Yeah, I would never do that. I'm not. I'm not laying down to help anybody out. So yeah, no. Yeah, I just I just wonder if, if some some front offices might have that mentality. It's like, well, you know, we don't want to strain this relationship in any way, and we we might lose this this week. Um, you know, maybe not to get into the playoffs or anything, but just kind of lay down, uh, kind of doing them a favor, knowing that you don't really have a chance. Just anything taking away that killer instinct. I feel like, you know, if you not having that kind of relationship with a rival team, you know, I, I feel like, you know, you might have that in the back of your mind sometimes. Yeah, I, I, I just don't want the front office ever doing that. Not saying that it doesn't happen, but don't 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 have that here. You mm-hmm. You don't. You don't ever want to have that mentality. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, if you were, if you're Stephen Jones, do you make that trade? Not knowing, not knowing if they might grab Justin Fields. No, I, I, if I'm making that trade, I'm trading to the Bears. I know the Bears are going to come up and take that quarterback from them, and then I go back. I probably get next year's first, and then the 83rd pick uh, in the third round. Um, so I would have made that move and, uh, and then I would have took Caleb Farley uh, at 20 mm-hmm. and uh, I know the back injuries. That's fine. There's different, you're going to have question marks with everybody. It's NFL. So stuff's going to happen, but there's as much question marks with boss man fat who I love. And, and does he want to play football or, you know, off field, all that BS. Yeah. And uh, you know, we ended up getting Micah Parsons. We've heard about his maturity issues, stuff that, is alleged um, that, you know, I don't really go into that, but just comparing like back injuries to other issues, mm-hmm. you know, I would have went back to 20 and, and took Caleb Farley and, and secured my cornerback, uh, you know, and, and then we worry about injuries because Diggs, you can, you can get Caleb Farley and he could play every game for his whole career and you could lose Diggs to an ACL injury because mm-hmm. that's football, you know, right. so. That's what I would have done. Uh, I would not have traded with uh, Eagles Giants because my my whole goal out of this draft was make sure that Dak is the only real quarterback in the division. And we got out of that successful. So I hear people all the time talking about what a great draft Philly had. And I'm like, that's fine. Fantasy quarterback wise, Jalen Hurts fine. He's not a good quarterback quarterback, though. So I'm good with. I'm good with running against him and Daniel Jones and 
whoever Washington's putting it out, whether it's Fitzpatrick, who's never made it through a season and made a playoffs or the other guy they bring in, um, you know, maybe Taylor Heineke ends up being good and then we have to worry. Mm-hmm. But if it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm ready to roll with Dak, keep Dak healthy and, and, and win the division. You know, when we saw the Giants get the trade that we were hoping to get, you know, getting an extra first rounder and fourth rounder next year. Do you, have you heard that maybe Dallas and Chicago had negotiations started and they couldn't come to agreement at all? Yeah, I heard that they, uh, they uh, were uh, in talks, but that Dallas didn't want to go back that far. Okay. They didn't want to, they didn't, I think the, uh, the last two, like, really legitimate first round guys that they wanted at positions that they wanted um, were uh, Slater and Parsons and they wanted to make sure they got one of them. I got you. Well, you know, Mike, I'm curious what feeling was worse thinking we handed Philly their franchise quarterback or drafting Parsons that's in. Oh, the, the Philly. Uh, I, like I said, regardless of who we got, if we have Dak and they have no quarterbacks, I'm Mm -hmm. pretty happy going in. The, the, the rest of the team is about how competitive you'll be in the playoffs. Right. But division wise, um, you know, the, the, the Washington football team and the giants could be very competitive teams, Mm -hmm. but in the end, you know, they, their quarterbacks are going to hold them back and, and Philly's just not a very good team right now, quarterback or not. They just, they have a lot of holes. They have a lot of work to do. So, um, I was happy to get out of it. I, I believe if you had to ask me right now, even uh, free agency draft, maybe we're not so happy about. I'm still going in going, well, we're going to win our division if healthy. So right. I like that feeling. And then you try to build up your team to where when they get in the playoffs, the younger guys are ready to really contribute. You know, for me, I remember after we made the trade, I'm sitting here going, oh, my God, what, what have we done? And I kind of started to panic almost, but then after seeing them pass on uh, on fields, it was a big sigh of relief. But then after our pick came in, I was it really it just kind of killed my night, man. It 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 uh, I I you know I can't think of a word for it, but it was just like it sucked the life out of me, man. Yeah, having a, another um, another friggin' time. We have. Uh, Leighton Vanderish was like picked 16th or 17th. Keanu Neal, who's a linebacker for us now, was picked 17th. Jalen Smith was picked 34th. And now we're adding another a, a 12th pick linebacker, who my hope is that the, the, the saving grace of this is he adds a edge pressure mm-hmm. that the others didn't. Yeah. Um, he was an edge all the way through until two years ago. So my hope is that this means that we're going to bring more pressures. My whole thing about Michael Parsons is it, and people can look up tweets because I've said, if he goes to a team like Denver that attacks, I love it. If he goes to a team like Dallas, I hate it because we don't blitz. And I, Mm -hmm. and and we're going to talk about Parsons here in a second, but there's some things that, that he needs to work on that are kind of like we, what we expect our linebackers to do. And so it just didn't feel like the right value, you know, and then using all that capital on linebacker already, it's yeah. like, great, another linebacker. Right. You know, and when we're taking away the off the field stuff, Mike, what is it about Parsons you dislike on the field? 
on the field. Well, for one, he's only been a linebacker two years. So, yeah. you know, when I say this, it's not like this guy's not going to get better at it. And he's a freak athlete. So I get it. The, the reason people encompass like, like it, a pick overall for any team for what I'm talking about for Dallas. Mm-hmm. When you when you talk about Dallas, we don't blitz often. His best thing is is bringing pressure. That is his best asset by far. Even better than running and tackling, he's he played edge until he started college a couple of years ago. He was an edge. That's what he does best. We don't blitz. We don't really use it. We hardly use Jalen in it. And that was supposed to be his thing with Nolan was a designated pass rusher. Mm-hmm. You know, so he doesn't do that. We've already have so much capital put into the linebacker position. So another one, it's like, damn, more, you know, more linebacker. And then I, and then I just don't value the position because it's so dependent on how well your defensive line holds off blockers. Mm-hmm. Now, that said, specifically for any team, not just Dallas, for any team, what bugs me, uh, uh, worries me about Parsons is he's not great at diagnosing plays. He's, he's pretty tardy on it. He's just such a freak athlete that at the college level, his athleticism makes up for his tardiness. And the NFL level, level that's going to change a little bit um, depending on how well the line can hold off the blockers. The other thing is he doesn't have a lot of coverage snaps. So he could be very good at it, but nobody knows. All the people, the analysts stuff that's like, yeah, he's great in coverage. What they're saying is he's athletic enough to do it. But he just wasn't asked to do it very often. He didn't have enough snaps of doing it. So if people are going, yeah, he's a cinch, going to be a great coverage guy. I'm like, well, you just, there's no way to know that. He, he didn't, he wasn't asked to do it. You know, he was a, a rusher and a, and a gap shooter and a, and a run defender. And he was barely ever asked to go out in coverage. So that's my two things. Will he learn to diagnose quick and can he cover in, uh, in space? He has the athleticism uh, and, and, you know, so I hope it is. And, and the other hope is that the other additions bulking up the defensive line make him a better pick. And, mm-hmm. and that, that looks like to be the case. So I'm hoping so. You know, what it is about Parsons for me, it's that it's exciting to think about what he could be, the potential that he has, and to think that he's only been playing linebacker for two years and having the production in, in college is, is really exciting. But then I guess what kind of scares me a bit is that he's doing this all on instinct. I, I, I just wonder, does he have the work ethic? Does he, does he get in the film room? Does he, does he study the game or is he ever going to be that type that, that will do that? Absolutely. And, and how long will it take him to develop from freaky athlete to great linebacker? Mm-hmm. Because there is a difference. And right now we've got a freaky athlete out there. And he's going to have some plays where everybody's going to go, holy, I can't believe that just happened. And then he's going to have some plays where the people who study tape are going to be like, Jesus, what the hell was that? Mm-hmm. And it's how quick he can become consistently uh, put himself in position to be the, the athletic playmaker that we need. Yeah, you know, for me, I just – I'll ask you this. If you were to remove the linebacker title – and, you know, you just draft the player on his abilities. I mean, is, does that change you drafting him at 12th? You're feeling on him? I believe I had him. Let me go through. Trey, Sewell, uh, Patrick Sertan, Horn, Chase, Waddle, uh, Pitts. 
I had him right around 9, 10, 11. So the, the 12 spot is good value. You, I had him in that 9 to 12 range. Mm-hmm. If you don't count off the field, uh, any of that, just talking about just the player's ability, I think yeah. he was somewhere between 9 and, and 11. So 12, 12 is a good value for him. That's, that's not bad. Like I said, if Denver got him, I would have been going, that's a great pick. Yeah. Vic, Vic Fangio attacks, and now he has Bradley Chubb, Vaughn Miller, and Micah Parsons coming yeah. for, for the quarterback's life. Right. On Dallas, you're asking me to project him into somebody who has to cover a cover three area zone that I haven't seen him do enough, and to play the run behind, at the time, what was a very bad defensive line uh, uh, stopping blockers from getting to the second level. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at like, oh man, this is this does not look like a good pick. Now, Quinn said some things that make you pretty excited. If if they are going to blitz and attack more, that would be amazing. And a lot of their draft felt like they were building. They understood that keeping these linebackers clean is going to be the key to be successful, and they yeah. built their draft around that. So. If that works out, we're going to be liking this pick a lot more. All of Cowboys Nation will. Yeah, again, I'm excited about the possibilities. I feel like the possibilities are endless. And, you know, the the potential and the upside is, I mean, again, that that's that, that, that's endless as well. I just, uh, I'm worried about, um, I guess, if he has the mentality or, you know, has, has the work ethic and desire to, to get in the film room and try to, work on his game and, and fix his mistakes. That's my only, I guess, concern. Yeah. He, the only way you help your diagnosis is by uh, how well you diagnose plays is by getting in the film room. So he has to do it. Let's see if he will. So, you know, adding Parsons to our linebackers, you know, with Jalen and LVE, what, what is it that Parsons does better than those guys? Run, run. He runs, first of all, better, obviously, athletic wise. He's Jalen before the injury at Notre Dame. Like yeah. he can move over. He can move around everywhere. If he's kept clean, he can go sideline to sideline and will beat everyone there. He is a freak athlete. He's also a better edge rusher. He when he comes off the edge, he comes off the edge like someone who's an outside linebacker, you know, like if he just wanted to be an edge rusher, he could be a Von Miller type. He's that kind of rare um, athletic ability and and knowledge, knowing how to bend, knowing how to attack the correct arm, knowing how to how to do that kind of stuff. So I'm very excited to see him do that. I just it's been so long since the Dallas defense has has done it with their linebackers that right. uh, I just want to see it happen first before I jump out and I'm like all right, here we go, Parsons, and then they don't do it. I'd agree. I, you know, if, I feel like I, uh, not just me, but maybe Cowboys Nations might even feel a little bit better if Parsons just got kind of got like the hybrid label or like maybe even uh, an edge label, you know, that we'd feel a lot better about that, that kind of pick. I call him the designated pass rusher. I don't even call him a linebacker. He's a designated pass rusher. He's Kyle Van Oy for the Patriots. He's going to go out. He's going to blitz all the time. He's going to go out. He's going to blitz all the time. So every play, you won't know uh, what he's going to be doing. So uh, I'm excited about that. I just, 
I have to see Dallas do it. It's, exactly. it's nervous because we're one of the lowest blitzing teams. And, and Dan Quinn was also, you know, Dan Quinn was not a attacking team like that. So his defenses. So I'm excited to see him do it. Absolutely. We well, you know another person who was highly touted, but you know, when you talk about maybe some locker room things or off the field things was kind of falling down draft boards. And, you know, at 44, we decided to draft Kelvin Joseph. Uh, when you look at the players on the board, did you feel that he was the best corner available there? I don't know who that is. Who's Kelvin Joseph? Are you, boss, we, man we fat. boss Man Fat. Yes, the rapper Boss Man. I'm sorry. Yeah, we drafted <laughs> Boss Man Fat. Uh, yes, he was. He was the. He w- If if you take away off the field concerns, I believe he was my 18th ranked player. Oh uh, wow. He's he's special. He has the kind of link Dallas loves. Um, when he's engaged, his attitude is like. JC Horn, which is what everybody, one of the reasons everybody wanted JC Horn over Sertan was kind of that dog mentality. Mm-hmm. Oh, he has that. That's no issue. <clears throat> and uh, he's just a monster. He can, he can move inside if you need him to. He can um, cover a tight end. He's great on the outside. He'll be great in, in Quinn. Quinn likes to get more uh, press man corners. Not He doesn't like the typical um i think the reason we didn't get a fetty melafonwu is melafonwu is the typical cover three uh zone um you know play your deep third and quinn likes guys that press man and press bail into their into their cover three zone he likes to disrupt receivers at the line Mm -hmm. because he's a defensive line guy so the key to his defense is pressure so his idea is Get get a hit on the receiver to work the timing mm-hmm. and give your defensive line an extra split second to get to the quarterback. So he's going for a guy like Kelvin Joseph or uh, or Campbell over a, a Fetty Melifonwu um, because that's the that's the type of game he likes to play. He wants to get up in a receiver's face and press or press bail and mix coverages a little bit more than like Chris Richard would. Yeah, well, you know, Mike, I know uh, in terms of talent, I think, you know, you hear a lot of people, well-respected people like Jeff Cavanaugh and Brian, Brian Broaddus were very high on him. And uh, I know you liked him quite a bit as well. And it seems like quite a few scouts said that he was a, he had first round talent and first round tape. So uh, to think of that, you can get a guy like that at 44 is, is pretty surprising. And, uh, you know, I'm curious. So compared to Trayvon Diggs, both his prospects is, uh, it sounds like maybe Kelvin Joseph might even be better. Be better there. Um, if we're just talking on the field, yes. Now here's the thing. It's it's if we're talking when you line them up right away when they were both coming out of college. Yes, Kelvin Joseph's better, but Diggs' mentality and character and the way he works. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Kelvin Joseph has that. I mean, one of the reasons that they kind of let him walk at Kentucky is he kind of got to where he didn't care and you can't do that. You know, if, if, if that happens, then we have an issue, but Vach Lombardi humped a chair when we, when we drafted uh, Kelvin <laughs> Joseph, because he had him as his cornerback one, okay. not anybody. He's like, I don't care about his off the field. You know, he, he, he was like, that stuff don't matter. You know, he didn't, he's not, he didn't, you know, there wasn't domestic violence, wasn't stuff like that. He wants to rap. People right. are worried about 
his commitment to the game. Mm-hmm. Bots Lombardi's like, that's coaching. Get your coaching to do that. That's teammates. Get your mm-hmm. leaders to do that. Talent on the field, he had him as their top corner. I had him as the fourth. So they they got a good cornerback. And, and I believe, you know, everybody thought that Trayvon Merrick, Raiders jumped in front of him to get Trayvon Merrick. I, they were never not going to get Kelvin Joseph there. Even if Trayvon Merrick was there, they don't they don't value safety like that. They just don't. Yeah. Uh, Calvin Joseph was going to be the pick. And, uh, and if he's committed, man, him and Diggs, that is a nice combo to have. And then if Dan Quinn could work the, the D line, that's his specialty. And, and we could keep our linebackers clean. This, this defense has promise. Uh, mm-hmm. I will give them that it has a lot of promise. Well, you know, you, you mentioned the Raiders jumping in front of uh, the Cowboys to draft Trevor Morrigan, another player that uh, had some interest from Dallas if he was going to be there at 44 was Levi Muzurike. And unfortunately, we missed out on him. But do you think that the uh, OSA selection was their way of making up for missing out on Levi O? I, I thought so that it could be at first until I found out some of the behind the things uh, when they did the interviews with Osa and they did the, the stuff with Quinn and stuff, it turns out they've been in contact with Osa a lot. Mm-hmm. So that was like one of their guys that they, the reason they drafted him, what, what, what people in the scouting thought he went around early is because Dallas is like, we're targeting him. Yeah. This is the guy we're going to get. So they were like, we're not going to risk losing him. Uh, we need him. And, and they wanted him to play that three technique, but be a three technique that could take on one-on-one blocks. Osa is a, is never lost as a wrestler. He was a wrestling champion. He was like ridiculous record, never lost national champion and everything. Mm-hmm. And on one-on-one blocking, he's going to be hard to move. Now he's not a guy that could take on double teams, right. but this, that was the key. Other draft picks later, it's the reason I that, that as the draft went on, you keep liking the draft more and more. Day three really made this draft nice. And uh, I, I just think Osa was a guy that they targeted, they wanted. Um, and I don't think uh, Levi O was going to be a pick. I think that Dan Quinn knew Osa was the guy that he wanted at, that, at, at their three technique. He was going to be the type of guy. Give me a three technique that, yes, can add some pass rush, but like Gallimore can hold up to one-on-one blocks. I believe both are three techniques now, depending on what happens with Hill, but both of our latest three techniques are three techniques that can hold up to one-on-one blocks Mm -hmm. and then add a little bit of pass rush, and I think that's what Dan Quinn wants. Yeah, when you, when you compare their size, Mike, Levi 6'3", 290, and then Osa 6'2", 280, you know, when you look at their draft profiles, I mean, they both have similar skill sets as well. Uh, seems like the only difference is that Levi projects as maybe an every-down player where Osa might be better suited as a run defender that offers some push, pass rush ability. Is, is that kind of what, how you feel? I also think that Osa has a better chance of being a 3-4 defensive end. Mm-hmm. And Quinn's press conference, he talked about how some of the base – is going to be a 3D line base. Yeah. Now, they call it a 3-4. It, it's really not. Basically, what it means is you'll have a nose tackle top guy, type guy over the center and then two um, ends. And one of them, I think, Osa would go out there. And then I think surprising, I think that what's going to surprise people is Tank is going to be the other one. 
I talked about it with Nolan last year. That's how I'd play him. I don't like Tank out at offensive uh, at outside linebacker coming mm-hmm. off with his hand off the ground. He just doesn't look right. right. Put him at the defensive end. Let him attack guards. He, you, we know what he can do versus the run. And then have guys like um, Randy Gregory, Parsons, Jalen Smith as the extra fourth and fifth pass rusher um, on the outside. I think that is going to be something when they're not in nickel that mm-hmm. they'll do a lot. And then if you have Parsons, Gregory, Jalen, all like standing up all of them do enough in coverage to where you won't know which three are coming Gregory's going to come the most because that's what he's paid to do but Parsons is going to come a lot Jalen's going to going to uh attack every once in a while and and it it brings the quarterback something different to look at instead of just a straight front four yeah I mean uh when you look at the versatility it's exciting to think about what what kind of uh coverages we could put out there and you think about the the defensive lineman that we have and that being Quinn special to you you know we can only hope that he gets creative and can have some fun with the guys that we do have yeah I love it and you know they got my guy at the end we're going to talk about him yes sir it just it just it made me believe in the draft because getting him just it was like I get it now I I finally they I knew it when, when they were drafting them, I saw the vision, mm-hmm. but I said, well, they, they don't ever get one of the guys that that's needed to complete it. And yeah. they got one and I'll leave. You guys know who it is, <laughs> but I'll leave it because we're going to talk about it. So, so I'll let you go on to the next one before I start in. Well, when we, when you had that rant, do you think uh, Steven Jones or Dan Quinn listened to that episode and decided to make that move, Mike? I think it was Tyler that tweeted. He was like, yeah, the Joneses did not want to hear you go off on, <laughs> on across the Cowboys again about not having a damn one technique. <laughs> so it was, it's, it's look at my face, how happy it makes me that they really, they, they went out and got Brett Urban, who I love. And then they got our boy in the draft and I am just so happy. Well, you know, while we're still talking about the de- uh, defensive line, Mike, uh, Chauncey Golston was a- another player that we drafted. And do you see him as a potential Gregory replacement or is, or is he someone who is there to, just to keep Gregory fresh, do you think? I, I actually don't. I don't think he's related to Gregory. Now, he could be one that takes on the run plays on Gregory's side and then yeah. Gregory comes in on pass rush. Mm-hmm. But with... I don't think that's going to be it. What I think Golson's going to do early is be Tank's replacement. When oh, okay. Tank needs to go out, Tank's mm-hmm. so good at setting an edge that when defenses notice he's out, they'll start attacking that side with the run. Mm-hmm. You bring a guy in with the length and uh, an ability to set an edge like Golston, now when he rotates out, not that he won't do other stuff, but when Tank rotates out and you bring him in instead of a Dorrance Armstrong, who does an admirable job at it, but that's not when Darren Armstrong was drafted. It was about his bend. It was about how he could get to the quarterback, and they didn't have somebody there to hold up against the run after Tank went out. You know, Tank had to get a breather, yeah. so Darren's kind of had to transition into that. Well, now you're bringing in a guy that is probably no Basham. He's your third best edge setter right now, yeah. but Basham would be second to Tank, and then now your rookies coming in. And, and setting edges, and that's what he's going to be set to do, whether it's on Gregory's side. But I, I just believe that Dan Quinn and, and them want Gregory in 
versus the run, whatever. They want him more snaps. I don't think it's going to be like Alden where, all right, Alden, you come in, you take the punishment versus the run, and Gregory will come in and rush the passer, and you can move inside. I think it's going to be Gregory's getting a lot of the snaps no matter what they're doing, and then uh, and then they'll move, maneuver people in as needed. And I think that that tank side makes more sense because they really need that to not be a problem when he goes out because mm-hmm. the other side gets run on and up the middle got run on so much that when tank went out, it was like, man, now just wherever you want to go, you're hurting. So I think he's going to be an edge setter that comes in for Demarcus Lawrence. He's going to be his primary backup. You know, we'll go off the show sheet here just a minute, Mike. And, you know, after Tyron, uh, Tyrone Crawford decided to retire. When you look at Osa and you look at Golston, do you think that either one of them could could kind of play the role that he played where he can you can move him around the line and he can not be a liability? I think Golston can, um, but I think Osa's built for that. I think Osa is that guy. He played, he did that in at uh uh UCLA. UCLA. Golly, mm-hmm. it blanked right there. He did that at UCLA. He went, he would play defensive end. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I think um, in a pinch, he could go out even in a four, three and play defensive end. Yeah. I think in a, in an odd man front, he's going to be a, a, a defensive end, a five T. And then I think he'll play three T in, in your basic nickel packages and on pass rush downs, just like Gallimore, he could be a pass rush one technique where you're just trying to go NASCAR and get up the field put Gallimore and Osa in it at DTs and tanking Gregory on the lines and then bring uh, uh, Parsons or Jalen off the edge as a fifth rusher. Yes, please. Okay. Yeah. Because I remember um, Jeff Cavanaugh, he said that uh, when he was talking with, with uh, doing his interview with Golston, that he said he was volunteering to take snaps at defensive tackle just so he could get some reps in and play in the field. So I just wonder if that was, um, you know, that, of course, that indicates that he wants to get put in some work and, and be a good teammate. But I, I was just wondering how, how versatile he may be. I do believe that in a you, you're hoping that doesn't happen as a rookie because that right. means something went wrong and people got hurt. But in a pinch, if they needed DeMarcus to get a rest and somebody needed to move down, I think he could do the Alden thing, Alden Smith thing where he rushed from inside a few times. Yeah, I just think they've, they built up their DTs well enough through free agency and in the draft that I just don't think it'll be necessary this year. Finally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've definitely added a lot of resources to that defensive line. It's nice to see us using some premium draft capital on the defense for, for what feels like in a long time as well. And And at the doing the right things, like every, every guy was a, get up the field guy. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. can we have one guy that just hits a guy and says, I'm not going to move. Yeah. And they started to get guys like that. And it makes me happy. Well, you know, outside of the Parsons pick, you know, what probably the most polarizing pick of, of our, of the Dallas Cowboys draft has to be Nashawn Wright. And, you know, he said he thinks he'll be a Richard Sherman type of player in our scheme. <laughs> when you watch him, is, is that how you see? <laughs> no, no, he can't turn. He has, he has, this is, let me, I, I have him right here. Let me get his. Seven one nine three cone one six four ten yard split. He had the worst shuttle ever recorded by a drafted running back. The worst. He's. Have you ever seen a baby giraffe like like walking around? I saw somebody post this on Twitter. 
that's him trying to turn and run at corner. He, his transitions are just horrible. He's not Richard Sherman, and, and he could be fine. He could adjust or learn or whatever. But my God, you picked him top 100, and the guy can't turn and run. Yeah, like out of his back pedal turning to, oh man, you basically can't play him on anyone that can like run at any. He's he's there to face like like uh, uh, Mike uh, Evans, but slow Mike Evans. Like that is what he's there to do. If there's a if there's a big jump ball guy that's not very fast, he can do that. But I just didn't. I, it was the placement. Like I didn't get using a top 100 pick on that that made no sense the worst shuttle ever by a drafted cornerback you know mike i i i know next to nothing about scouting or fil- or watching film or anything like that and i've done more mock drafts for the cowboys than i'd like to admit and not one single time on any draft simulator that i uh, participated in that i ever even see his name pop up so to think that we took him at 99, I mean, I'm like, who is this guy? Never heard of him. And, you know, the, the reports on him have been less than than flattering, to, to put it nicely. It's just a confusing pick. It's like, um, you know, we, we were talking about it prior to recording, but it seems like maybe, uh, I don't know if it was Dan Quinn or, or Will McClay or, or somebody was trying to, you know, thought they were being smarter than everybody else and, and getting a steal of the draft or something here. They had the word was that the scouts and Will McClay wanted Baron Browning or Jabril Cox with the pick at 99 and that the front office kind of gave it to Dan Quinn to make the pick. And he, and I feel bad for the kid because it's not his fault. Right. If we drafted, if we drafted this kid in sixth round pick two twenty seven, no one would care. Oh, they exactly. got, Oh, they got Quinn a, a long corner. They drafted him top 100, and guys, top 100 your impact guys. Yes, like, yes. this guy's not going to play. He's just not going to play. I'm sorry. I mean, we could try to sugarcoat it, and we don't know, and this mm-hmm. and that. He's not going to play. He just doesn't have that ability. Like, uh, uh, Israel, uh, 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 your boy. Yeah, Mukwamu, he, um, he has a better chance of being a corner for us as a rookie than Wright does. He just, he just does. So, you know, it's going to be a long-term developmental guy that you hope doesn't play early. It mm-hmm. just where he got drafted. It's not his fault where he got drafted yeah. by the organization uh, messed that up. And I hear a lot of people say, well, we don't know where we had him on our board. What if somebody else took him? Let somebody else take him then. If yeah. somebody else wants to reach on him and you miss on a, on that guy, that's fine. You missed out on a guy, but you didn't, Getting them top 100 is just not a good pick. Yeah, it's just not because even when you talk about his workout metrics and his traits and everything, it's just he doesn't sound like somebody who, even if he's developed to, at his at his ceiling, that he'll be a, a really that much of an impact player. Yeah, I just – I don't see it. I think he's got a lot of work to even be able to be playable. He just doesn't move enough. If we're going to go on YouTube, I got to do something about the itchiness of my face. I swear because <laughs> – the whole YouTube is just going to be going everywhere, itching all, all the – my face is itchy. Why is my face so damn itchy? Man. Well, I, I, won't, I won't give too much away, but hopefully uh, the, the person who's be taking care of our videos, I don't know how he can edit that out, but hopefully he can get creative. That'll be – well, that'll be my, uh, that'll be my like, thing. I'll be itchy face guy. I'll be like, yeah, let's see. You have to take a drink every time Mike itches his damn face, and you'll be drunk like 20 minutes into the podcast. Take a shot every time Mike itches his nose. Yeah, yes, exactly. Oh, you Man, know, Mike, crazy. 
you started to touch, uh, talk on it, uh, touch on that uh, a little while ago, but after the round three, the Cowboys fans were uh, disappointed, obviously, but did day three make up for round three, in your opinion? Day, day three was such an A-plus draft. Man, they I don't know if they went in and heard like stuff and said, all right, now we got to really – we're getting crucified out here. But right. they they killed day three. Day three was a, a home run. As, if you complain about day three, you're just a guy that wants to complain. Like day three was everything. It was a, it was incredible. Now they had one pick that we're not going to talk about on the draft and and we're not going to worry about that. Uh, But minus that one pick and hopefully that turns out that, you know, things work out for him. Everybody deserves a second chance, yada, 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 that stuff. Hopefully that works out. But if it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm, I'm, I eliminate that pick from my brain the day three was excellent. Yeah. I mean, I, it was kind of surprising because early on, I mean, it, uh, maybe it wasn't about until a month before the draft, but it seemed like Jabril Cox was somebody that a lot of scouts really liked, especially for his coverage ability and everything. And f- to see him fall that far was definitely surprising. I mean, that was kind of the theme of the draft where some of the, how some of this, these talented guys were, were falling, but that, that pick alone might, might've just saved our draft. That was a beautiful pick. That was such a good pick. And the thing is that it allows you right away, if you notice today, no LVE option on the fifth year. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at the end of the year, Jalen's, you can uh, get out of like a 9.5 cap hit at the end of the year. And don't be shocked if, if you're next year, you're, uh, your two guys are Parsons and, and Jabril Cox. Just don't be shocked about that. You've heard everything, basically everything out of Stephen Jones' mouth was how we have to get all these cheap guys to work because we can't spend any money. So, which is amazing because every other organization does it somehow, mm-hmm. but our organization can't spend money because all of it went to one quarterback, even though every other organization, Pat Mahomes got a hundred people signed around him, but you know, it is what it is. We're like the cheapskate family owned, you know, uh, we're not Walmart. We're like uh, down here. It'd be Cobb's hardware. Home Depot or everywhere else, and we're Cobb's Hardware just trying to hold on, you know. Mm-hmm. So we're the cheap-ass organization that's not going to go get free agents, and we're just praying we hit our draft, which m- would frustrate you more when they draft a, a right at 99, a top right. 100 guy they waste right there. So, you know, it, it is what it is, but luckily they they were able to get Jabril Cox to fall to him. Uh, we're going to talk about the wide receiver from Stanford. I'll butcher his name. Um, uh, and it, just down the line, we know my favorite pick is in there. So mm-hmm. it's just a beautiful day three. Right. You know, you were talking about our, the, our first offensive player drafted, I believe is Semi Fajoko, our, our future, is he our future wide receiver three, or is he a death piece in your eyes? No, no, he's, he's, the thing is, is on another team, he may have some trouble because he's not a great route runner. Um, you kind of know what he's good at. He's good at the nine route. He's good at the go route. Mm-hmm. Uh, he beats guys pretty well off the line. He's hard to press because he has long arms. He has a great catch radius. He's six four. Yeah. Ran a four four. Mm-hmm. Um, he ran under a four four, but it's a pro day, so it's around a four four. Yeah. So much speed. Um, uh, can go up and get the ball. Great catch radius. On another team, you know, like Denver, he's like a low rent 
Cortland Sutton, right? But you put him on a team with Cooper getting double teams, with Lamb getting so much attention, Mm -hmm. with Zeke getting the runs, with Pollard and Zeke coming out of the backfield, with Jarwin in the seam. Yeah. I'm just going to put Simi on the outside where when – assuming we don't bring back Gallup and he replaces him, we're going to put Simi out there and go, okay, you run straight, and if they don't double-team you, we're going to chuck it up to you, and and you're going to be the Alvin Harper Mm -hmm. to our Michael Irvin, Jay Novacek, Emmett Smith. Anytime they leave you one-on-one, you may be getting a shot, so be prepared. If you do double-team, if you go, look, this guy's too fast and tall. We need to get a safety over the top. We can't just leave our our, uh, – you know, cornerback on this guy, then you're leaving, you're opening the field up for CD lamb, Jarwin, uh, Cooper, Zeke. Like that pick was such a smart pick to get us a fast, tall, like go get it 50, 50 ball guy. Cause that's mm-hmm. really with Dak last year. That's what Michael Gallup had turned into. He was the deep ball guy. Hey, when you get a one-on-one, you beat a guy, we're going to give you a shot. Well, now you're turning Gallup into a six, four, four, four guy. He's never going to be the receiver Gallup is. Do not get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Gallup is a wide receiver one, wide receiver two. But does this guy fit uh, something that could be enormous for this offense? Yeah, it does. He he fits. Even in, in goal line in where you're, you just want to throw up a, a, uh, a fade to him. He's 6'4 at that catch radius. Yeah. Okay, you want to move two guys over there to take that away? Now you got Lamb, Jarwin, Zeke, Cooper. Who are you gonna who are you gonna cover? Yeah. So it, it was a great pick. I love him. I definitely think that he is gonna be the reason uh uh we we don't make a run at Michael Gallup. I think they'll let Gallup go. I'll I'll give you with a prediction right now. I think uh uh he will have three plays over 50 yards, three passes over 50 yards next year, three over 50 yard pass catches, and he'll score three TDs as a rookie. That's oh, my okay. prediction. You know, when you look at his workout metrics, man, I mean, he has the the ability to to be a future starting wide receiver. Looking at player profile, he was best compared to Alshon Jeffrey. And I know that Alshon Jeffrey's dealt with some injuries, but, you know, his first couple of years in the league, I mean, he he looked like he was a potential star. And, you know, uh, Fihoku is faster than Michael Gallup, Wilson and Brown. I just, you know, I, I'm pretty excited about this guy because when you see how fast he is, you see his burst, and then you mention the catch radius, that's pretty exciting for a wide receiver. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's going to be great. He he has the ability with the guys around us to, to do some of the things that we thought about getting Kyle Pitts for. Mm-hmm. You know, have the, have the size to go up on one-on-ones and get guys, but instead of, of a matchup guy, he's the guy you put on the outside and go run your go route, Run your go route. If they don't double team, we're 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 gonna chuck it up. We're gonna Alvin Harper it to you. You go make a play. Yeah. Well, you know, Mike, we're gonna talk about your boy now. I know you've been what you've been excited about this question, but Bohana, was this someone you scouted prior to the draft? You know, funny thing is, is I didn't really I, I saw him, I knew where he was, but you're talking to a man that had a rant on our podcast about how we don't get one <laughs> techniques under Will McClay. Went yep. on five minutes yelling about it. And you think I'm going to believe that they're going to get a nose tackle? Uh, this isn't a one technique. This is a nose tackle. Mm-hmm. This is 330, line you up over the center. Let's go. Try yeah. to move me. Let's go. You're going to run into the two defensive players that you're trying to block me with. Your running back's going to run into the back of them because I'm not moving. 
So no, I didn't, you know, I, I, I scout everything, you know, right. but I try to do mine Cowboys based, you know, even, mm-hmm. even the writings I have is for Cowboys wire now. Yeah. So I watched two, I watched a couple of games for boss man fat, you know, and, and uh, Jermaine Davis. And you kind of see this big dude out there and you're like, okay, big man. Cause I, mm-hmm. I love nose tackles. I love one techniques. I think, I think they're a key to, to defenses and, Man, I just, it was so, so good to get it because once we got him in place, I went back and I said, okay, he takes on the double teams, not Osa. Oh, so now you have to block Osa one-on-one. Okay. Now we're talking. No, no lateral blocks coming to Osa. They're going to come at, at, at Bohana. All right. So now tank isn't moved on -on one-on-one. Bohana's not moved with double teams. Osa's not moved on -on one-on-one. We got Basham, who was a top 10 win rate guy that we brought in. Urban got double teamed by two of the best in the league. And the Colts, he doesn't move. Mm-hmm. Gallimore is pretty damn good in one-on-one. It's, he can't hold up against double teams. One-on-one, he's not bad. So I'm looking down the line going, okay, now we're talking about uh, Golston, edge setter. Yeah. Get him on the outside. Now we're talking about when you play teams like the Ravens that bring an option. Okay, where are you going? Where are you going to go now? You're not mm-hmm. getting to an edge on us. You're not getting to the middle. So now, our, and it frees up our linebackers. And now I look at Parsons and I go, oh, wait a minute. Now we've got, now i got Bohana eating double teams. Yeah. I got, oh, you're going to try to go past Osa? Nope, that ain't working. You can never get past Tank. I got Basham and Golson there on reserves. I got Urban there. So now Jay, I'm looking at Jalen going, well, he can move and get around. He can't change the direction. Yeah. But if he knows, if he has an opening and says, hey, I got no blockers coming at me, I can go get that guy. Yeah. We know what Parsons is. That's the whole reason he was drafted. LVE, his whole thing is could he take on blocks? When he just has to go get a guy, if he's healthy, he can go get him. So when they made that pick, I went back through the draft and I looked through the, and I'm like, uh, all right. Now we're talking. Now the now this makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now Osa makes sense. Now Golson makes sense. Yeah. Now Basham makes sense. Now Urban makes sense. Now we're talking. So even Parsons was a better pick. So I, I just think that this one guy that's going to play 20% of the snaps, maybe. I mean, he's just barely going to play. But him and Urban – are, are just going to change this defense around. And what's funny is they'll never get credit for it. Yeah. Everybody's going to see Car- Parsons making plays and go, well, look, we brought in Parsons. Everybody's going to see Jalen and LV play better and go, well, they got back to 2018 form. They were healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to see Tank and Randy Gregory getting off the edge and they're going to go, well, Tank started to get a chip on his shoulder and he's playing better. And I'm going to be the one going, no, it's the guy there. See, see Urban, see, see uh, uh, Bohana, see Osa, see those guys eating up blocks and not letting a quarterback step up yeah. and not letting blockers get to the second level. That's what it is. And then I will have a five-minute rant about how you need to give credit to the guys we got <laughs> instead of being mad about not having them. I couldn't be happier. I thought it was the best pick of the draft. I know everybody's going to say Jabril Cox, and I totally – get that because value wise that is insanity but bohana is my guy dude oh i love him yeah mike uh it's exciting to think about the uh the possibilities there and 
it's funny because now you're kind of getting me excited and I'm just starting to remember how, how good our linebackers were back in 2018. And, you know, we, we, uh, today it came out that we declined the, uh, to pick up LVE's fifth year option. So if, if indeed he doesn't return, and I wouldn't be mad to, to, to see that wolf call one more time before we, we turn him into a comp pick. Yeah. Yeah. He'll, he'll play good this year and, and they'll consider bringing him back on a contract, but there's no way you can pick up that option and pay him money. You just, you just can't count on him. He's never played. Yeah, I guess, I mean, if he were to come back and play for the Cowboys, I think he'd have to probably do a, a Sean Lee type of deal where, you know, there's incentives and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you have to. There's just no way you can trust him. Uh, Mike White, uh, at not to be tried, our buddy, he had a stat that blew my mind. Sean Lee played more games in his first three years than, than LVE did. Oh, that, my goodness. Yeah, that is crazy. So you couldn't have picked up the option. I'm just glad they loaded up on linebackers. So it gives us options in the offseason with what we want to do. Well, you know, Mike, you weren't the only guy who uh, who got one of the, one of his guys drafted this year. You know, my first pet cat, Mr. Uh, Israel Muakamu. When you look at him, do you see our future starting free safety? That's a good question because – him and Reggie Robinson are a lot alike. Yeah. And I think they're both going to be kind of versatile DBs this, this next year. Like um, if KZ goes down and they need to move somebody to safety, maybe Jordan Lewis becomes the safety and they become the backup. One of them becomes the backup. If, uh, if uh, you know, something happens with Kelvin Joseph or Diggs, maybe Reggie Robinson goes to the outside or, or, or Israel goes to the outside. And the other one stays as like a versatile guy. You know, um, I I don't know because uh, the thing about Jabril Cox's signing uh, to bring him in as, as far as DBs go, Jabril Cox played like 300, almost 400 snaps at traditional off-ball linebacker. He played like 171-something snaps at slot. Mm -hmm. He played 70-something snaps at safety. And he even played like 50-something at edge. So the thing that they've done is, is they've got guys that can go a lot of different places. Keanu Neal, mm -hmm. safety or linebacker. Yeah. Jabril Cox, safety linebacker. Uh, Parsons, linebacker and edge. Um, uh, McComwu can go defensive, uh, I mean, a cornerback or safety. Reggie Robinson, cornerback, safety. Jordan Lewis, outside, inside, safety. Uh, Brown is a slot that can, is big enough and has enough speed to play outside. So, they can really play matchup and it'll help that if they get in a situation like last year where they're just devastated by injury again, they have a lot of options to move around. So I don't know where he's going to end up being. I heard he's starting with the safeties that that's going to be, but I love him, dude. He, he picked up the phone and told Jerry Jones, you just drafted the best cornerback in the draft on their call. Yeah. I, I love that. I'm so happy that your first pet cat the team actually <laughs> drafted. Yeah, I couldn't so. believe it, man. And, you know, you were talking about the versatility with Cox, and then you talked about the versatility with Mukamu. I mean, again, you know, I've said this a few times just in the last couple of weeks, but that's, our, that's what the theme of our defensive coordinators have been kind of stressing and wanting to do when, you know, us not having the personnel to do that. So it's nice to see that we've addressed that and got, gotten some guys in here who, who offer those that versatile and who can get a little bit more, uh, give you the opportunity to be more creative with your schemes. 
Yeah, one of the things Dan Quinn was talking about that that he learned uh, in his time off from getting fired is uh, he had to watch tape and stuff and come up with new concepts. And if you if if you let the quarterback know what's coming, I don't care how well run you run the scheme. If you run cover three all the time, the quarterback knows it's cover three. They're going to figure out ways to cut you up. So you need to go into each game being able to prepare a game plan. And it's something that Mike Nolan talked about. But I think the the problem is, is you need to be able to do that, but also keep uh, players in certain uh, uh, like run and hit modes. Mm -hmm. So they can't go every week. Which way do I have to go? What do I have to do? Here's your gap. Here's the gap you're going to play. We're going to do that. What we're going to try to do is fool the quarterback on who's coming on the pass rush, uh, what coverage we're playing on the back end, you know, stuff like that. Are we pressing? Are we bailing? Are mm -hmm. we in cover three? Or, you know, all that kind of stuff. Instead of just like lining up with the deep safety back and here's our cover three, what are you going to do? So I like the versatility. I like the ability to fool the offenses that we're going to be able to play, hopefully. Absolutely. And you think about it, you know, let's just say we're playing a, a young quarterback. Maybe we're playing like a Daniel Jones or a Justin Fields, just for example. And let's say it's it's the fourth quarter, early in the fourth quarter, and, and maybe Justin Fields and the Bears are making a drive. We're up by seven or three or something like that. And we put out, we throw out a coverage there that confuses the defensive coordinator and Justin Fields and they have to burn a timeout. I mean, when you, when you have that ability and you're able to do that, you kind of feel like you've won that possession and that's kind of what you're going for. Yeah. And, and if they don't burn the timeout, what if you, what if you fool them and they think they see something and you bring something else and they throw it right to a, a, a spot that they think you're going to have open yeah. and you intercept it. Mm -hmm. and the game changes or they pick up the wrong blocking assignment and you come in and you hit the quarterback and the and and they fumble it you pick it up yeah. uh, it always reminds me of that game against green bay where where jeff heat got in and i don't know how he held on aaron Rodgers held on to that damn ball but if he fumbles that they fooled aaron Rodgers. yeah on a blitz they just straight fooled him and if aaron Rodgers fumbles that ball then then we got a whole new story we got a whole new game Right. Yeah. Perfect example right there. And shout out to Jeff Heath, man, you know, team favorite fan favorite. He, he finally decides to do some, get some interceptions out there in Oakland or Las Vegas rather. Not, not a fan favorite. <laughs> I did not. I know a lot. Of, I just did not like Heath, man. I was like, he was so backup safety, dude. I cannot believe we started him for so many years. God. That, that was the, that was the Garrett RKG guy, right? Yes. Yep. Good guy. He's a good player. Works hard. We like our guys. Yes, sir. Well, you know, talking about our guys, Mike, can you tell me who Matt Farinock is? Versatile offensive lineman. Um, I think they, they picked him over some other ones because he's played so many spots. Um, I wouldn't expect him. I expect him to be a practice squad guy mm -hmm. with the ability to come up uh, if there's injuries because he can move around the line. But don't expect much out of him you know, even the first couple of years, it's not a guy that I expect to do much. He, he's fine, but it's about having a guy that could be open for multiple spots. He might be a guy that replaces Adam Redman because that's what Redman was. Redman could play all over the line and now he could do that and we'll have him under contract for multiple years. He's, he's, uh, who was the player that there was a tweet going around kind of showing his video, but the, the fullback that we drafted, 
undrafted free agent. Oh, okay. Undrafted free agent. Who is this guy? Yeah. Uh, Dan uh, Rupert is, he's the one that does the, he's so good with undrafted free agents. He just came out with a report about it and I'm not going to get him back on the comments. We, the draft's over. Um, I was right. Anyway, we should have got Cal. <laughs> if we got Cal Pitts right now, instead of Michael Parsons, nobody would be complaining. We would be like, Oh my God, we got Cal Pitts. So exactly, yeah. I just, I'm just going to take the victory. Thanks Dan. But now I'm going to plug your work. Uh, he did a thing on uh, on undrafted free agents. He has all of them, their schools, their height, everything. This kid, uh, from his report that I've seen, and his name escapes me right now because we all called him Kyle Juszczyk from 49ers. And so that's the only name I could think of right now instead of his actual damn name. But he put out some videos of that kid just obliterating people. Yeah, and he yeah. was, he, he's, he's a traditional fullback which doesn't really go in the league anymore but i believe he could be a blake bell blake bell would come down and and run some fullback uh plays from the tight end spot as the third tight end i i have a sneaking suspicion that he might make this team um but you got to see him in training camp and how it goes but but his tape looks good he he's he looks like he could be a player he definitely lays the wood on people um so we'll see how it goes yeah, maybe bring him back to fullback, Mike. Yeah, man. And, and all you have to do is call him the third tight end. Mm-hmm. That's basically what they do is, is they motion him back into the backfield, and then he's a fullback. But you don't have to say you have a fullback. Just say he's the third tight end, and you're fine. Absolutely. Well, you know, Mike, I know we, we talked a little bit about your favorite pick, so we'll, we'll talk uh, – we talked about both of our favorite picks, so let's, let's kind of uh, discuss who, who our least favorite pick was. Hey, just so I know, was your favorite pick was was Israel because he was your pet cat? Yeah, that's okay. That's why. okay. Just making sure, making sure. Uh, least favorite pick, uh, right? Obviously, I mean, just value wise, just he, he was not worth the top hundred pick. Top, I have no problem with the player. He should have been drafted at like one seventy nine or two twenty seven. Uh, drafting him at at in the top hundred is just insanity. So definitely the least least favorite pick for me. Well, Mike, before we, we started recording, you know, I, I had filled this out for myself and I, my answer is Michael Parsons. But, you know, after talking with you today, that that's definitely changed. The reason the reason being was it's only because of the value and where we drafted him. It has nothing to do with the player. It's just, you know, taking a linebacker who with limited um, limited time at the position and where you drafted him and everything. I just you, you don't really care for the value and you wonder if he's going to be used properly here. And you, ho- you hope that he can. But when you look at the other players on the board and everything, that, that's just kind of why I dislike this pick the most. The uh, the thing about it too is when we say our least favorite pick, we're not saying like he's going to be a bust. Michael right. Parker's probably going to be a monster. What we're yeah. saying is, do you need another linebacker valued that high? And now that we've seen that LV didn't get his fifth year option, we know Jalen's contract and how they talk about stuff. We see how they built the team around. I think that Parsons was a pretty solid pick. I think, uh, like you said, it changed your mind on on your least favorite at least a little bit. And um, it's probably the reason why, it, even if you took out 99 and made me pick another one, <clears throat> it probably wouldn't be Parsons, even though I never wanted a linebacker there. That was the guy I was like, please not him. Now that I've seen the complete vision um, and looking forward over the next few years, I, mm-hmm. I like the move. Absolutely. Well, Mike, you know, now, now that time has passed, how are you feeling about the draft overall? I, I don't mind it. Um, uh, I, 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 I'm loving it for Quinn. 
mm-hmm. for what what Quinn wants and what he's brought in. Um, I I really like the the you know going over. We're going to talk about our 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 one word, and I think that's a better way for me. My one word kind of helps in, encapsulate that. So <clears throat> I'll go over it in a second with the one word. What do you think about the draft overall? Yeah, overall, I'm optimistic, Mike. We, we drafted some high upside guys and we've drafted guys who have skills and abilities at positions of need where we, we needed some depth. And then we have guys who, the guys that we drafted, I think better complement the, the pieces we already have in place. Yep. Yep. I couldn't agree more. Well, so Mike, you know, you're talking about your one word. What is your one word to describe the draft? All right. My one word is synergenic. Okay. And- it means uh, it means like when you look at everything in full, mm-hmm. the the whole becomes better than the sum of its parts. Okay. So now that I've gone, now that you know, when you go to free agency, I love the urban pick because I wanted a one technique. So I'm like, all right, we got one. But then you go bash them, and you're like, okay, you know, an Ed Setter, you know, a guy that can that's good versus the run. We don't, you know, we don't do great versus the run. Uh, so that makes sense. And then you're going through and you see who we re-signed and we kept, you know. Um, and then I go into the draft and I'm like, Micah Parsons. And I'm like, oh, Micah Parsons, what, you know, I don't like that pick. Then we go into the second round where we had to get the corner. I, I don't mind that. That was a great pick. Third, you're like, well, a little early for the defensive tackle, a little early for the for the defensive end, you know, what's going on? But then as the day three went and you started to see all the holes and then my guy, went yeah. Bohana, the last piece in there, the uh, the 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 nose tackle like immovable object to go with Brett Urban in the middle. Now I look at it and I see how the okay now how do you block this defensive line? Well, it's going to take your whole offensive line and your tight ends and everything. Well, that's going to free up these linebackers. Well, now Parsons okay Parsons freed up. Oh oh yeah, he, if he's running around doing stuff everywhere, that's what he's built for. Now you're talking about a monster. Right. Jalen is better in that circumstance. Mm-hmm. LBE is better in that circumstance. And now you stop the run early and you, if you make teams pass all the time, even great ones, mistakes are going to happen. They're going to miss an assignment. They're going to miss a block. They're going to miss a drop. The quarterback's not going to see the right read. Things are going to happen. And now you've gotten off the field. So you've gotten off the field two more times than you normally do just by being better run defenders, right? just by freeing up Parsons to go make a tackle before the first down. Mm-hmm. So you got two more stops. Now your offense is still scoring, though. Your offense is awesome. So now you're up two touchdowns. Now the, now the quarterback has to take a little bit more risk. Now you get an interception. Now he holds the ball longer. Demarcus Lawrence gets their sack, sack fumble. Yeah. Now you've given your offense a turnover. Mm-hmm. Do you see how it all plays together, how it's synergetic, how it all right. So when I look at it in full, I look and go, with this offense, if you stop the run and make teams one-dimensional, I don't think their offenses can compete with our offense, almost right. across the board. Mm-hmm. There's very little teams that could do that. And when you face teams that can, okay. Now it's a shootout, and the, may, may the better offense win, and it, and it'll come down to that. But if if you make if you make the game, your offense has to outscore our offense passing. We're going to be hard to beat. 
And that's what you do. You, you have a division with low quarterbacks, with not a lot of quarterbacks other than us. A good chance of making the playoffs if you're healthy because of that. And now you get into a, a playoffs with Green Bay. And you go, okay, all right, Rodgers, you couldn't do it with Tampa. Can you do it with our offense? Maybe mm. you can, maybe you can't. Okay, Tampa, you got another year? Because guess what Green Bay did to you? Green Bay picked you off three times, and they just couldn't capitalize. Can you stop us? Because, yeah, you may have the better quarterback, but we have Devontae Adams, and we have a C.D. Lamb, and we have a Michael Gallup, and we have Ezekiel Elliott, and our offensive line is better. So here we come. All right, Mm -hmm. who else made it in? Seattle, what you got? You know, Rams, what you got? Can you hold up? Because if you can't run for 200 yards on us, what you going to do? So I, I just think the word synergetic is perfect. If you step back and look at it as a whole, minus that 99th pick, it's a pretty yeah. beautiful friggin' picture, uh, and I'm pretty happy with it. You know, for me, Mike, I'm going with intriguing. And reason being is we've been in need of a culture change for quite some time now. And I like the edge. Some of the players we have that we drafted have. Uh, that's something our team has been missing for for a little while now. And especially on our defense, we, we've been needing some dogs out there for a little while. And as far as the guys who may have been drafted a little bit higher than we like, I'd like to see what the coaches saw in them. So just overall, I'm, I'm, I want to see how this, this puzzle is going to fit together and how we plan on uh, using these guys that we drafted. So I'm, I'm, I'm just intrigued by, by the, the draft. That's a good word. I like that. Well, you know, Mike, as always, it's a, uh, it's, a, it's a good discussion and you, you, you got me excited about some of these guys. Uh, I'm feeling a little bit better about uh, the draft that we had. And you know what, before we get you out of here, remind everybody where we can find you on Twitter. Sorry about the no rant, Anthony, the draft day three made me too happy and and getting uh, Quentin Bohana got me too happy. So my bad, Anthony, no rant, but uh, at CD piglet, let me know. Maybe I'll rant to you on there. And yeah, Anthony, you know where to find me on Twitter. I'm at Paul underscore Ryan 15. I'm sure I'll be hearing from you today for, for my intro. Uh, but Anthony, as always, we appreciate you uh, listening, man. And we'll see you next week.